Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. A little bit of promotion here before we start this episode. As usual, uh, this episode is sponsored by audible.com. They do audiobooks. And uh, you can get a free audiobook by going to uh, audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. Okay, so go there. You can get a free audiobook. I'll tell you a bit more about it later on. Now, let's get started with this new episode of the podcast. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. This should be episode 288 that you're listening to at the moment, and I think I'm calling it the California Road Trip. Um, so how are you? I hope that you're fine. hope you're doing all right. I'm fine, thanks. Um, I got back from my honeymoon in California just a couple of days ago, um, and it was amazing, and I'm going to tell you all about it in this episode. Um, so at this very moment while I'm recording this, um, I'm sort of trying to deal with the jet lag. Still got a little bit of jet lag. I'm trying to make sure I get a good night's sleep every night, trying to avoid falling asleep during the middle of the day. So I'm attempting to get my body clock back in the normal rhythm. So I'm dealing with the jet lag. Um, It's grey and windy here um, back home. Uh, You may even be able to hear some wind noise in the background from time to time during this episode because it's very windy outside uh, and it's all grey and it's a bit miserable. Um, But the memories of my honeymoon and my holiday in California are still fresh in my mind, Uh, although my suntan is fading. Uh, quite fast, but it's good to be back. Um, thank you very much for lots of recent comments on the last few episodes of this podcast. While I was away, uh, every now and then I connected my phone to the internet and I saw lots of comments, notifications, and so on. So it's great that uh, so many of you uh, wrote uh, comments on the website recently, and particularly in response to some of the latest episodes. Thank you all so much for all of the lovely things that so many of you wrote in response to the wedding episode of the podcast that I did recently. It's really touching to read your comments, and my wife also found them very sweet and nice too. Um, This episode that you're listening to right now is about my recent honeymoon trip to California, and I have so much to tell you about it. But before we start, let me just say a few things in the first few minutes of this episode. Um, First of all, I would just like to say don't forget to join the mailing list on my website so that you'll get an email whenever I post a new episode or whenever I post other bits of content such as videos or blog posts, okay? Okay. just go to teacherluke.co.uk. On the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see a little um, thing, a little place where you can put your email address in and join the mailing list, okay? Also, you can subscribe to comments on my website too. Uh, That means that whenever you leave a comment on a page on my website, you can tick a little box that says subscribe to comments, 
And then whenever anyone else leaves a comment on the website, including responses to your comments, you'll get an email notification. So it's quite a good way to keep up with what other Lepsters are writing on teacherloop.co.uk. So I recommend that you join the mailing list, but also you can subscribe to comments as well. Um, Secondly, I would like to say a big hello to you. Yes, that's you. Um, I'm talking to you and specifically the one who's listening to this episode. Obviously, it's not just one person. I hope it's not just one person. But I I know that there are uh, many, many different individuals, thousands of individuals all around the world uh, who are listening to this right now. So I would just, well, I say right now, obviously not right now while I'm recording it, but right now when you're listening to it. So that's you, the all of you who are listening to this, I would just like to say a special hello uh, to you. And I'd like to say thank you for tuning in to Luke's English Podcast using whatever means that you use, either on the website or on iTunes or on your phone or on your iPad or your Android device or in your car um, or on your MP3 player or using your internet radio or just hearing it by chance because someone else is playing Uh, this podcast to you at the moment, like, for example, your English teacher um, or something, or maybe a neighbour or a a roommate is playing it and you're hearing it at the same time. If you are with other people while you're listening to this, like perhaps even if you're in a classroom situation or something and you're listening to this as a group, then why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say a very friendly, why don't you say something very friendly to the person next to you right now? For example, you could say, hi, how are you? Are you all right? Uh, just as a gesture of goodwill. So why don't you just say hi in a friendly tone to the person next to you? Uh, if, they aren't, if they're not listening to this, for example, if you're on headphones, then they might find, obviously, they might find that a bit strange. But anyway, say something nice to the person next to you if you're both listening to the podcast. Give, give the person a little slap on the back to, as, as if to say, well done, congratulations, you're doing the right thing, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. If you're alone, give yourself a little uh, slap on the back of congratulations for uh, choosing to listen to this podcast because I think you're doing uh, a good thing. There you go. It feels nice, doesn't it? Now, if you are a regular listener to Luke's English Podcast, then hi, welcome back. It's nice to have you with me again. If you're a long-term listener, then I'd like to say hello, old friend. Um, If you're a new uh, listener to this podcast, um, then welcome to Luke's English Podcast. And I would just like to say that I strongly recommend that you keep listening to this podcast on a long-term basis regularly. Because let's face it, um, learning a language is a long-term process. And I record this podcast with that thought in mind. So just listen regularly to the podcast over a fairly long period and you will see improvements in your English. And that's just from listening. There are other ways of speeding up the language process by using my podcast and website as a resource. So that's doing other things, not just listening, but sort of other ways of studying and sort of pushing your English further. Um, um, You can... uh, you can listen to episode 174 of Luke's English podcast for more information on on that. Uh, that in the in in, in in that episode, I give you some specific advice on ways that you can kind of fast track your English using the podcast. But at the very least, I suggest that you just enjoy listening to this podcast regularly. Um, because it's definitely a great way of keeping your English fresh. People often underestimate the importance of doing lots and lots of listening. 
um, it can make a very big difference to many other areas of your English, not just your listening comprehension, but also things like speaking, pronunciation, vocabulary, and grammar. That's right. And it's it's particularly useful if you enjoy what you listen to and that you basically understand most of what you're listening what you're listening to. And it's also more beneficial if you feel that the person you're listening to is speaking to you personally. Uh, and that's what I aim to give you in these podcasts. The perfect listening resource to help you improve your English. That's my aim. Uh, so I'd like to say thanks for listening, but also I'd like to just say well done for listening too, in order to remind you of the benefits that you get from listening to this. So well done, you're doing the right thing, and your English will definitely benefit from this as a result. It's quite simple, really. It's not rocket science. Uh, for more information on this kind of thing, you can just listen to my other episodes, for example, episode 174, um, and just have a look at my website, which is, of course, teacherluke.co.uk, and you'll find loads more information and content there. Now, as I mentioned before, this episode is all about my recent trip to California in the USA for my honeymoon. As you probably know, um, I recently got married and my wife and I decided to go to California for our honeymoon. And now I'm back and my tan is fading, but the memories are still fresh in my mind and I'd like to share them with you in this episode. So if you're ready, let's go to the USA and let's go on a road trip around California. Okay, now let me just tell you a couple of things about some notes and transcriptions for this episode. You will find some notes and some transcriptions on the page for this episode or on the pages for these episodes. Uh, in fact, if you're reading those notes right now, then you're reading them right now and you've found them. And because there they are, they're right in front of your eyes. You can actually see them. Uh, but uh, just as a reminder, if you want to find this episode on teacherluke.co.uk in order to read these notes and bits of transcription and stuff, just look at look in the All Episodes archive for episode 288, or just type in the search bar on the right of the screen, the number 288, or maybe just the word California, and you'll find it pretty easily that way too. So the following words and sentences that you can read on this page are not a full transcription. Okay, they're just notes. Um, some parts of this episode are transcribed, but mostly these are just basic notes. Uh, you'll find that a lot of the stuff at the beginning is transcribed, but then as I get into the actual descriptive parts of the uh, the road trip, then you'll find that I'm kind of using some notes. Okay, so they are just basic notes, which means that they're not always full sentences. Often they're just words and phrases that I wrote in order to help me remember the details of the trip, okay? If you want to make a transcription uh, of the whole episode, <clears throat> just let me know in the comments section and I will open up a Google document so that you can start doing that, okay? Um, now, I wrote uh, all of these notes on my iPhone during spare moments on my holiday and also when I got back. And I used them to help me. I am using them, in fact, to help me record uh, the episode that you're listening to now. Uh, I hope that you're listening and you're not just reading. 
Um, because remember, this is a podcast. It's not a blog. Okay. So that thing I just said there is, is, um, specifically intended for the people who might just be reading this. Don't just read it, listen to it. Okay. Because it's, it's a podcast. It's not a blog. Um, it is designed primarily to be listened to. Um, so let me just give you an overview of what you're going to get in this episode or this series of episodes. So this is a sort of diary or report of what happened on my honeymoon in California. I'm not necessarily going to tell you every single detail of what happened because, well, first of all, uh, that wouldn't be that interesting. You know, if I explain, well, you know, first of all, I had to uh, go to the airport. So I put on some trousers and then I, I walked to the door and I did that by moving my left foot, then my right foot, then my left foot again. Then I moved my hand up to open the handle of the... No, of course, it wouldn't be that specific. I'm also not going to include some of the more romantic and personal and private details of the honeymoon, if you know what I'm talking about. No, but I'm 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 going to tell you pretty much what happened on the trip. But it's not just a description of, of a honeymoon. It's more than that, I hope, because not only um, not only am I going to tell you a few stories about what happened and what we did and where we went and so on, but also I'll explain a bit of cultural and historical information uh, to give you some sort of context around some of the places we went and the things we saw. And I'll also give you some practical tips, including ways of communicating effectively in various situations. So I'm going to tell you, or I'm going to try to tell you what it's really like to be in California. So it's a description of the culture, the geography, the people, the history, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and more. Um, I'm planning to tell you what it's really like to deal with customer service there, uh, what it's really like to drive in the USA, what it's really like to deal with problems, what some of the linguistic differences are, um, what the climate is really like, uh, what the food is really like, uh, some of the history and the cultural highlights, uh, how to get along with people in the USA, how to develop the right relationship with waiters, hotel staff and other key people. So it is a description of my honeymoon, but I also want it to be a lot more than that. I want to take you with with me uh, on my holiday um, and teach you some things along the way. And it's all in English, of course. Um, so not only are you going to join me on a geographical and cultural journey, but you're also going to plug yourself into a source of natural English spoken from me to you right here, right now. And you can pause it at any time. You can rewind and listen again. You can slow it down. You can speed it up. You can fall asleep and listen again later. You can transcribe it if that's what you want to do. You can repeat after me if that's what you want to do. Or you can just relax and just chill out and enjoy listening to the podcast. So, brew a cup of tea or coffee, get comfortable, get uncomfortable, and then get comfortable again. Uh, smoke a big cigar, or just pretend that you're working on a big Excel spreadsheet at work while you secretly listen to this without any of your colleagues or your boss knowing about it. Do whatever you have to do, basically, to enjoy this episode. I hope you like it, and I hope you find it useful. Um, as usual, I'm not sure how long this episode will be, but I'm pretty sure it will be another mini-series of episodes. I don't think I can squeeze all of this into one. I have a vision of... I have a vision. I, I imagine that it's going to be about three episodes because I've got so many things to tell you about and I'm going to get started soon, I promise. Um, 
you can visit the page for this episode, blah, 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 blah. Now let's get started uh, with the first part of this story. Following the tradition, basically, you, I've done um, episodes about holidays and traveling and stuff before, right? And it's starting to become a bit of a tradition that you hear me doing my first recording in a toilet on some means of transport. Um, so I think I'll, I think I'm going to tell you. Uh, I think I tell you that I'm doing rec- okay. So you're going to now hear me uh, doing my first recording when I was on uh, the way to the USA on an aeroplane. And what what better place to record that first message than in the toilet? So here here you're going to listen to me um, in uh, a toilet on an aeroplane. Okay. <laughs> Hello there, my name's Luke Thompson. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. Why is it so noisy? Well, guess what? Yes, that's right. I'm currently recording this in a toilet, on a plane, somewhere above the North Atlantic Ocean, approaching the, uh, approaching the coast of Canada. I think our route is uh, f- flying from Paris over the North Atlantic uh, into Newark Airport in New York, Uh, So the route we're taking is that we're currently approaching the Canadian Atlantic coast and then we're going to fly down and land in in New York, okay? So, yes, I'm in a toilet again. Uh, Why am I in a toilet? Well, I couldn't exactly record this in the middle of the plane. I think that would be disturbing for the other passengers and potentially embarrassing. Everyone would be able to listen to me uh, doing it live and, well, I think I should give them the option to choose whether they listen to it or not. So I came into the only... Uh, place the only private place in the plane and that is in the toilet so this is my kind of recording studio uh, during the flight this is not the first time i've recorded uh, podcasts from inside toilets on different modes of transport Uh, if you are regular listeners of the podcast you will have heard me uh, do uh, podcasts from toilets on planes before and even a toilet on a train and maybe even in a car and, and on a boat. I've, I've done all sorts of different modes of transport. But here I am again in a toilet on a plane. This is becoming something of a tradition on Luke's English podcast. What's going on? Well, you'll know if you've listened to re- uh, recent episodes that I'm going to California with my wife for my honeymoon. That's right. We are currently en route to the land of Hollywood, Baywatch, coastal highways, the Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz, Yosemite National Park, and the tallest trees in the world. Um, We're going to go on a Californian road trip, and uh, I've decided that I'm going to record some short episodes of this podcast at regular times during the holiday. Um, I'll try to teach you something in every location, or at least maybe sort of remind you of some vocabulary or something like that. There should be some kind of uh, teaching content in each of these little dispatches. Um, And I will just describe what I'm seeing and what it's like. Uh, I might even interview a few people that I meet uh, on the trip because, you know, they speak English in America too, of course. A kind of English. Technically, it is English. It's American English, of course. So it could be interesting to meet different uh, American people on the trip and speak to them and hear their accents and also ask them some questions and just kind of bridge the gap between British and American English. So I'm flying to New York um, at the moment. What happened? Well, originally, the flight was... um, We were due to get a flight earlier today 
um, which was going to take us straight to San Francisco, and then we were going to get a connecting flight to Los Angeles. But um, no, that didn't happen. It didn't work out that way. There was a problem because the flight was overbooked, which is incredible, really. Um, we arrived at the check-in desk, and the woman there said, sorry, the, the, the flight is fully booked, and there aren't any seats left, which is stunning. But that's one of the things that flight companies do, isn't it, these days? They foot, they overbook their, their flights. Um, it's a way for them to guarantee that they're going to fill the flight and that they won't lose any money. It seems that flight companies these days care more about profits than they do about... Um, their, their customers, which is uh, very frustrating and annoying. I suppose the way it works is that they sell too many tickets and they hope that some people will be late or some people will choose not to travel and that's their way of guaranteeing that uh, the flight will be full and it's not going to be a, a loss of money for them. So we're one of those, um, we were one of the lucky, uh, unlucky passengers who checked in a little bit too late um, and at that point, the flight was overbooked. So we had a very annoying process of um, negotiating with the flight company um, in order to try and rearrange something. Luckily, we managed to get on a, on another flight. We had to wait like five hours in the airport, but they did put us on another flight, and we are now heading towards Las, uh, Los Angeles, but this time via New York. It's a much longer trip but we are heading in the right direction at least. Um, now, wh why, why did we, um, why did we uh, arrive late? Well, we didn't arrive that late. The, the, point, the only thing is that we didn't check in online first because, you know, these days you just check in online automatically. You don't need to go to the, to the front desk uh, in the airport. But we decided not to check in online. Why? Well, because we were hoping to get upgraded. We wanted to speak to a human being, an actual person on the front desk, so that we could sort of charm them and try and persuade them to upgrade us to business class or something because we're on our honeymoon. Now, everyone has told us, everyone told us before we made this trip to mention to everybody that we meet that we're on our honeymoon because apparently that is the magical key which unlocks numerous upgrades, rewards, treasures, free gifts, hotel room upgrades, flight upgrades, and so on. So apparently we were told that just when you check in, just tell them that you're on your honeymoon and they will upgrade you to business class and it'll be brilliant. So um, in fact, what actually happened is we sort of got downgraded because we... Um, we didn't check in online. We wanted to speak to a human being on the front desk. Um, we were um, some of the last people to check in. And so, of course, uh, the flight had already been fully booked at that point. So that's the overbooking process. Very annoying. But that's just uh, a part of um, flying these days. Um, I mean, I, someone should do something about that. There's something wrong with the flight companies. It seems unfair. So anyway, change of route, but it's not that bad. We are heading in the right direction. So despite all of the inconvenience and the delay and the stress and the waiting around in the airport and stuff, all's well that ends well because we are heading uh, in the right direction. There's a phrase. There's a, a phrase that you may have heard on the podcast recently. All's well that ends well. It's just a way. It's something you say when the final, the, the end result of a of a difficult situation is good, and so that makes everything all right. So despite all the inconvenience and the delays, we are going. Uh, we are heading in the right direction. So we're going to get there. We will be late. But ultimately, all's well that ends well. Um, so there you go. Let's hope that this 
uh, this trip really does end well and that we actually do get to our destination okay in one piece because at the moment of course we are flying in the sky somewhere and we've got to make that slightly scary landing um, and uh, so I hope that works out all right I'm sure it will um, anyway that's it um, that's the end of this uh, toilet uh, broadcast um, and uh, I will speak to you again soon in the next one I don't know what where that will be probably in Los Angeles somewhere in Hollywood or something uh, that's where we're staying we've booked a little hotel a sort of fairly modest hotel place in Hollywood so that's probably where I'll, I'll be speaking f to you uh, next okay so that's it this is Luke Thompson in the toilet for Luke's English Podcast signing out so that was my little uh, toilet cast or loo cast or poo cast or whatever you want to call it um, so now, um, I, I originally, as you heard me there, I originally intended to do recordings while I was there um, using my MP3 recorder, including some random interviews with American people and so on. Now, that didn't really happen in the end. Uh, I did manage to do a few more recordings while I was there in California, but not as many as I'd intended to do. And I think this is because, well, it was my honeymoon, so the point was to share a special time with my wife. So I wasn't going around with my microphone the whole time interviewing people and talking to myself. Um, however, I did manage to get an interview with one person in particular, and that was perfect and really special and very appropriate to Luke's English podcast, which is obviously primarily for people who are learning English as a foreign language. So who did I manage to speak to and who did I manage to interview? Well, it was the one and only AJ Hogue, who you may well be aware of. Um, he's basically the internet's most famous English teacher. That's right, even more famous than Luke from Luke's English podcast. Um, no, he is really famous and uh, well-known. He's probably the most successful uh, English teacher online. You've probably come across him at some point um, if you've gone on to Google and searched for, uh, you know, learning English content uh, or if you've searched on iTunes for podcasts and things. You've probably found AJ Hogue and his Effortless English program. Um, so he is an online teaching uh, he has an online teaching program, which he has called uh, effort, e Effortless English. Um, ironic that I found it difficult to say Effortless English there, wasn't it? Because it's supposed to be effort Effortless. Anyway, um, you probably know him from, you know, Effortless English and so on. He's made a big success of himself as an independent online English teacher. He's a native speaker of American English and a resident of California. So he is the perfect person for me to have spoken to. So in the end, I think that makes up for the fact that I didn't speak to any other locals on the podcast. So I got AJ Hogue. So that's fantastic. It happened in San Francisco. So you can expect to hear my conversation with AJ Hogue um, in the San Francisco part of this story. Okay. Right. Now, what was my what was our itinerary for our California road trip? What was the itinerary? Um, let's see. Let me go through it. Well, California has so much to offer. You know, it's got the climate, this beautiful weather, which seems to be beautiful all the time, uh, all year round. 
It's just constantly sunny and 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 uh, pleasant. Uh, there are many different environments. You know, you've got the cities. You have uh, incredible, incredibly beautiful national parks with mountains and forests and things. And of course, you've got the coastline with their beaches and uh, other dramatic uh, bits of uh, rocky coastline and so on. There, there are famous sites that you can see. Uh, in you know cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and so on. There's loads of shopping to do. There's loads of good food. That's right, lots of good food. I know that there's a cliche about American food that it's all really fattening and it's all just hamburgers and stuff. Well, not necessarily in California. You can get all that stuff, but there's also plenty of really interesting and diverse types of food that you can find in California. Uh, beer as well. They have so many different local breweries, which was a surprise to me. Um, loads of different types of beer um, and wine, of course, because California is kind of well known as being a wine producer. Uh, there's a musical history with all of those great bands and artists who came out of California um, over the last like 40, 50 years or so. Uh, There are literary ties with lots of famous writers who um, came from California and also connections to things like counterculture, the hippie movement. And also it's the place that we've seen in so many films and TV shows. So it's very uh, it's it's a great place to visit, really great place for a holiday. What was our itinerary? Well, so we uh, flew to Los Angeles. Originally, we planned to fly to Los Angeles via San Francisco. That was the only flight we could find. But you heard in my toilet cast there that uh, there was a problem with overbooking. That was United Airlines. What a nightmare. Honestly, United Airlines, you've got to be really careful with them. Make sure that you check in online in advance. Don't expect to get a seat if you check in uh, on the front desk when you arrive. You've got to check in as early as possible online because they always overbook their flights. And there's always a list of people who can't get on the plane. So it's a total disaster. And there's always that sense with United Airlines that you're not going to get on the plane. Um, So luckily, they gave us another flight later that day. We went to Los Angeles via New York. Um, So slightly longer flight, but anyway. So landed in Los Angeles. The plan was to spend some time in LA, seeing things and doing things there. Then um, we drove to... Then the plan was to drive to Yosemite. So rent a car in Los Angeles and drive to Yosemite National Park. So if you imagine California, it's a bit sort of... It's a bit like a fairly long rectangle, vertical, sort of a fairly long uh, vertical rectangle that's slightly bent in the middle. Um, So Los Angeles is sort of in the bottom left-hand corner of that rectangle. Yosemite National Park is on the sort of uh, the east side in the middle of that rectangle. Um, so drive from Los Angeles in the bottom left-hand corner to Yosemite in the in the middle right-hand part of that uh, of California, and then the plan was to drive from Yosemite across to San Francisco, which is on the west coast, and then uh, and then to uh, stay in San Francisco for a few days, and then take the car and drive down the coastal highway, Highway Number One, which is um, a bit of an iconic uh, drive. Um, so. We plan to spend a few days driving down the coastal highway, taking in places like Monterey, Carmel, uh, Big Sur, um, San Luis Obispo, um, Santa Barbara, uh, and then back to Los Angeles via Malibu Beach, um, and then uh, 
fly from Los Angeles back uh, to Europe again. So that's that was the itinerary. We only had two weeks. Um, so there was no way that we could do and see everything. In fact, I think that you shouldn't really try to do too much on a holiday, in my opinion. I've said it before, holidays are like pizzas, okay? Holidays are like pizzas. Why? Well, don't put too many toppings on a pizza, in my opinion. You can spoil a pizza by trying to put too many toppings on it. You should have about three toppings maximum. Too many toppings will spoil a pizza. So don't try and put too many toppings on it. And similarly, don't try to do too many things on a holiday. Okay? So you can see from that analogy exactly why holidays are exactly the same as pizzas, okay? All right, maybe holidays aren't that similar to pizzas, but you get the idea. Um, we couldn't have done everything, but we managed to do quite a lot. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be able to travel, in my opinion. I think I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to travel. I generally get the chance to travel somewhere on holiday about once a year. Uh, this trip was a bit special because it was my honeymoon, as I've already said a hundred times already, and we planned to go on a slightly more expensive trip. But anyway, I'm still lucky to have the opportunity to go to different places, often quite far away. Not everyone has that luxury. Um, you, for example, you might not have that luxury. Admittedly, you might have that luxury. Uh, I'm sure that many of you are very well travelled. Um, but I also know that plenty of the people who listen to this free podcast don't have the chance to go on many foreign adventures. So I hope that you enjoy the experience of listening to my account and that I give you an idea of what it's really like to drive around California for a couple of weeks. And um, if you have had the luxury of going to the USA and going to California, then perhaps you can compare your experiences to my experiences. Um, and uh, did you experience similar things to me? And did you have the same thoughts and feelings? What were some of the thoughts in your head what are, in fact, some of the thoughts in your head as you listen to my account of this podcast? As ever, please leave your comments on the page or pages for this episode series. Uh, that's not just for my reading pleasure, but also so that you can share thoughts and ideas with your fellow Lepsters. Now, um, let's carry on with this California diary. And uh, I think I'm just going to play a little bit of music here to kind of get you in the general spirit. So imagine we landed in Los Angeles. And we la we arrived pretty late uh, in in the day on our first day. We arrived at about eleven p.m. and we got a taxi uh, to our hotel where we were staying. So we started with a late night drive through Los Angeles. In the taxi, we heard this song, which is Hotel California by the Eagles. And it was playing on the radio. And even though it's a bit of a cliche, it was a perfect soundtrack to the taxi journey. And as we were traveling along the streets in the taxi, we looked out of the windows and we saw silhouettes of palm trees swaying in the breeze, the shapes of the Hollywood Hills in the distance, Spanish style buildings, lines of headlights of cars on the long highways. We felt the warm temperature outside and looked at the spacious streets and empty sidewalks. And we thought, wow, we, we really are in movie land. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my head. We thought, this is LA, isn't it? Is it real or is it just some sort of jet-lagged dream? 
This is how it felt at the beginning. We just felt a million miles away from home and in a strangely familiar environment. One that we'd seen before in a hundred different movies and films and TV shows. It felt like entering some sort of recurring dream. And as uh, Hotel California was playing, it's a bit of a cliche, as I said. It's exactly the sort of song that they play whenever they have a TV show about Los Angeles or something. But it felt entirely appropriate at that moment. Especially since we were on our way to a hotel. So that was an interesting introduction to the place. Um, we felt very tired after our long flight. So it was almost bizarre to be experiencing this sort of little Californian moment. Nice introduction. Now, um, let's see. So, yeah, LA is such a strangely familiar environment because we'd seen it before in films and things. Um, one of the first impressions was that Los Angeles is a huge place. It's really big. But also, the USA as a whole is just massive. And since we'd flown over it, you know, we'd just spent the last six hours or so flying from New York to Los Angeles. Um, it's incredible how, how long it is. We flew over it for hours and hours and hours. Well, six, to be honest, to be exact. Um, but it made me just think of the size of this country and it made me realise, it made me think of the people years ago who'd actually made that journey on foot or on horseback. You know, um, the, the, the sort of um, the, the settlers who travelled across the states, um, crossing all the different frontiers as they went. Um, it took them years and years to make the journey. Years. They travelled in groups and in families and so on. People died uh, on the journey. People were born on the journey, you know. Um, but now we just see it as some sort of annoying inconvenience that takes us five or six hours out of our holiday on the aeroplane. But stunning size. Um, and Los Angeles, of course, too, is a huge city. Um, we eventually arrived at our uh, first hotel and uh, we went out to get some dinner a kind of late dinner, and uh, we walked across some of these large streets they have in in uh, some, in uh, Los Angeles. We were staying uh, near Hollywood uh, in a you know fairly sort of reasonable hotel in a nice part of town, um, and so we walked across the streets, and there we were in Hollywood, and you could see the hills at the end of the street, and uh, even the Hollywood sign was visible from nearby our hotel, and we went to just some average restaurant, and. Um, um, one of the first things we noticed was that the service was so personalised and really good, really good service. We sat down and the waiter was like, hi, my name's Derek. I'll be looking after you this evening. Can I get you a drink of water before we start? Or can I get you a drink before we start? And we ordered some water and these huge mammoth-sized cups of water with ice arrived. And I ordered a beer, but I got two because for some there was some kind of special offer that I wasn't even aware of. So he said, yeah, we're going to offer on these beers. So he gave me two beers instead of one. There's always some kind of deal or discount or offer available or something going on like that. So anyway, we already had way more than we needed right at the beginning. So we had our dinner and stuff and then went back to the hotel and, you know, got a decent night's sleep before we started. Um, just a note on customer service. Um, 
just let me give you a, a comment or a note about customer service. Generally, um, in in my experience, customer service in the USA is really good. Uh, despite a couple of negative experiences that I had there, there is a bit more kind of back and forth than in the UK. And what do I mean by back and forth? Well, I just talk, I mean the standard things that you say in general interactions with waiters and staff. Um, it's almost like a little bit of a game that you have to get used to. That you that the waiter says something to you and you say something back and then he says something and you reply uh, with these standard things. So often it goes a bit like this: Hi guys, good morning. How are you? how are you today? And you say we're fine, thanks. And you and they say I'm good, thanks for asking. And then you and then you say oh you're welcome. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So hi guys, good morning. How are you today? Fine, thanks. And you I'm good, thanks for asking. Um, if you need anything at all, my name's Stacy. Uh, well, what if we don't need anything? Then what's your name? I'm sorry? You said if we need anything, your name's Stacy. But what if we don't need anything? Is your name still Stacy? It, sorry, it's just a joke. Oh, I see you're joking. Ah, oh, that's so funny. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I'm English. No, that's no problem. I love your humor. So dry, right? Yeah. Um, well, just enjoy, just enjoy your, uh, your time, guys. Let me know if you need anything. Okay, thanks for your help, Stacey. And then at the end of the meal, and you've paid, and you, you say goodbye, and they say, you have a nice day now. And then you say, you too. And they say, I will. Thanks for asking. You know, there's just more of these back and forth things. Maybe not the joke about uh, your name's Stacey, which was a hilarious joke that I added there, which I, I wonder how many of you actually got. Anyway, th- my point is that there's a lot more back and forth, this kind of, hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks for asking. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, in England, it's like, hi, how's it going? Fine, thanks. And that's that's often it. In America, it's like, hi, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine, Thanks. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Uh, you know, loads of that sort of thing. Um, so it's, there's a lot of this kind of uh, pleasant, there are a lot of pleasantries that are part of the etiquette there, which is nice. It's really nice. The staff tend to be very friendly. They're very attentive and professional. And that's probably because quite a large part of their wages um, comes from tips. So they sort of have to make the right impression. Um, and they, you know, they tend to work quite hard to make the right impression on you because they know that they've, you know, they need your tips at the end. Sometimes, though, as a foreigner, it seems to be, it seemed to be a little bit tricky to get through to the staff if you have particular requests. Um, That may be because of the cultural or language barrier. Um, You know, it's hard to kind of break through the standard sort of interactions that they normally have with their normal American customers. Um, so as a foreigner, you know, you, because you don't know all of the normal uh, interactions, uh, it sometimes causes the communication to break down slightly because you're taking them out of their normal routine. I think this also applies in the UK as well. For example, if you don't live in the UK and you come to the UK, it can be a little bit difficult to talk to the staff because you're not local you don't know the normal ways of doing things. So you need to make a slightly bigger effort to help bridge the cultural gap. Okay. Um, So certainly that's true if you don't speak English as a first language, but also it can be true if you aren't from that place. And I discovered that a little bit as an English person in America. 
Um, I probably said things slightly differently or I just had a slightly different manner, which meant some things were a little bit more difficult. Not that much. Most of the, you know, I got used to it pretty quickly. I started to understand the general way that you have to talk to the staff. Um, but um, a couple of times there was a few moments where they didn't understand what I was talking about. Um, now, uh, I think that it's necessary as a visitor in a country that you need to make a slightly bigger effort in order to, as I said, bridge the cultural gap and help the staff to help you. Now, you might think, well, isn't this the, ex- the exclusive job of the waiter, that the waiter, sh- uh, he or she should make all of the effort? Um, well, I think that you should be realistic, really, because the waiter is just a person, just like anyone else. They're not always an expert in cross-cultural relations. And I think that if you want to achieve something and get what you want, then you need to just make a little bit of extra effort yourself. And this means kind of, you know, greasing the wheels or adding a bit of social lubrication with some niceness, a bit of charm, a smile and a willingness to make things work. So that's my advice, basically, for getting good customer service when you're traveling to a foreign country, particularly the USA and to an extent the UK as well. Just that. Try to be clear with the staff. Try to be positive, be friendly, and remember that the waiter or whoever it is that's giving you a service is just a person doing a job. Um, It's easy to let communication or let things break down a bit because of slight cultural differences. So I think it's important to make an effort to help the person to help you. I say that because I've seen people in the UK, uh, visitors to the UK, who got a little bit offended by what they perceived to be bad service, but was in fact just a slight breakdown in communication. Okay. Um, I mean, give you an example, that would probably help. Imagine if you go into a restaurant and um, you have a particular request, like, for example, you don't want any dressing on your salad, and um, you make that request in a, in a in not entirely clear way. For example, the question is, is there a dressing on the salad? And the, the waiter is going to say, yeah, there's a dressing on the salad. The waiter doesn't necessarily realise that what, you're, what you mean is, could you put the dressing on the side? Um, so it's important to just be really clear and say, Um, Is there any chance you could put the dressing on the side? It seems so obvious, doesn't it? But sometimes it's easy to forget that you have to be really clear. And and if the waiter frowns because he or she doesn't quite understand the request, that you shouldn't take that personally, that you should maintain your positive and clear demeanour, okay? So, like, don't let a slight lack of communication spoil the relationship. Do you know what I mean? Um, And again, I'm saying that because in the UK, I've seen it happen lots of times, particularly when I've gone out for dinner or meals or lunches with my students. I've seen those moments where slight breakdowns in communication result in a slight breakdown in the relationship between you and the staff. So I'm saying that you've got to try and manage it and be positive and be clear. Um, So... um, Yeah, give your communication a chance and be patient, be friendly, be helpful. Don't expect the staff member to understand absolutely everything you say first time round. And don't expect the staff member to be... um to be your your personal slave for the evening, all right? Even though it is their job to basically serve you, you've got to treat them like a human being. And I really found that in America too, that the staff really sort of responded better when I 
treated them as individuals. You know, kind of when they say to you, hi, how are you today? You know, they are treating you as an individual because that's the culture in America. Um, and it seemed to work and seemed to build a better relationship when I said, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? How's your day? Now, it seems to be a bit cheesy or a bit insincere or something, but it's just a kind of social uh, lubrication, this kind of thing. Anyway, um, other stuff about Los Angeles. Massive amounts of space in this city. Um, that's one of the things that occurred to me. I'm just reading from my list of notes here. Uh, in the morning on our first day, which I think was the 7th of August, we got up in our hotel, had our coffee and breakfast, um, and um, American coffee. There's a difference. Um, their coffee is, um, well, you get a much bigger cup, um, in France, for example, you tend to get um, espresso coffee, which is obviously a short, a small shot of strong, intense coffee. Um, and if you just order a coffee in a in a cafe here, they will give you an espresso, unless you order what's called an allongé, which is a longer coffee, which is basically an espresso with a bit of hot water added to it. But that's a coffee. In America, a coffee is a big cup of um, filter coffee. That's where the coffee's been placed in a little filter and they pour hot water into the filter and it slowly drips through until eventually you have a big jug of hot filtered coffee. And it tends to be weaker uh, than European coffee. Uh, and that's just American coffee. So a big cup, it's, um, it's slightly weaker. It's got a slightly weaker taste. Now, I really like American coffee. Why? Because I get more. You know, I like to enjoy uh, drinking my hot drink, so I get more in the cup. Uh, the taste is weaker. It doesn't have that sort of um, really strong taste that you get, really strong, intense taste that you get in Europe. Uh, it's got a slightly more nutty uh, flavour to it, but I quite like that. I like the taste of American coffee, and I like the fact that you get more in the cup because you can spend more time drinking it. The thing is, the thing that I get with a European coffee, it's so short that a couple of sips of the coffee and it's all gone. Uh, so I like the fact that with American coffee, you can sort of enjoy the coffee over a longer period of time. And they always come back and refill your your cup. So you're constantly getting free refills of coffee, which is nice and generous. Um, so we went out to pick up the car that I'd rented uh, because this is going to be a road trip. So um, I'd already booked a car with Avis in advance. And um, I booked, I, you know, I sort of went through a long process of trying to choose the right car. And I booked, admittedly, a fairly boring Ford Fusion, which is a sort of standard sort of, uh, you know, middle of the road, full size car, but a bit boring, really. Perfectly reasonable car to drive around America, but pretty boring. And, I, and I'd spoken to a few of my friends after I'd made the booking and they all said to me, no, no, Luke, no, you want to get, you're on your honeymoon. You want to get um, an open top sports car. You've got to try and get a Ford Mustang or a Chevrolet Camaro 
or or a Dodge Challenger or something like that. And they'd all convinced me that I needed to upgrade the car. And also everyone told me that if I said that I was on my honeymoon, that this would be the magical phrase that would get me an upgrade. So of course, on the way to the rental place, uh, we decided that I that I would try and get an upgrade. Um, and we entered the, the, the Avis garage, the Avis car park and took a look around. And there were a couple of sports cars there. So I did say, oh, by the way, is there any chance of an upgrade? It's just that this is our honeymoon and we, you know, I really want this to be a really special holiday. Is there any chance that you can offer us an upgrade? See, because the, the thing is, a lot of these companies, like car rental companies, they have um, a couple of upgrade options, which they are willing to give to people in these situations. And often, you know, the staff will just check the computer and say and see that there is an upgrade available and they might give it to you. So it's always worth asking. So I did ask if there was an upgrade available and um, she had a look on the computer and she um, let's see, she noticed that, in fact, the upgrade, she couldn't give me a free upgrade, but the upgrade was cheaper than the option that I'd had on the internet some days before. So uh, I went for it. And she said, yeah, we've got one car, we've got one uh, sports car in the car park, and it's a Chevy Camaro. Um, so I went out to look at the Chevy Camaro. And it was this, <laughs> basically, a huge white American muscle car. You know, those ridiculous cars. If you've seen the Transformer series, you know, the Transformers movies. Well, um, the the Transformer called Bumblebee, which is like this yellow Transformer that turns into a sports car. The car that Bumblebee turns into is a Chevrolet Camaro. So that's the car that I ended up renting. That's the car that we had for our California road trip, which was really cool. And so I want to tell you about the Chevy Camaro. Um, Huge thing, quite a ridiculous design, like a big American muscle car with a huge bonnet on the front, a big aggressive looking grill, um, a spoiler at the back, huge fenders over the back wheels, these huge, great big fenders, very wide car and quite long. And these massive uh, wheels, uh, huge wheels with, you know, quite wide and and a huge diameter. Um, and uh, it's quite low to the ground. And the, uh, the, the, the roof of the car is quite low, really. And so um, the experience of driving this, this uh, Chevy Camaro was quite interesting because, well, I'd never driven a car like that before, first of all. And the, the, the bonnet of the car, the front part of the car, is so long and so sort of uh, muscular in, uh, in, in appearance that when you're sitting behind the wheel, it's hard to actually see the road in front of you because you can just see this bonnet that goes on for ages. And the bonnet's got a grill on the top with, you know, like a, a, a grill for the engine to keep cool. So when, you're, when you've been driving for some time, you get all this kind of uh, heat haze that comes out of the bonnet. So it's, it actually affects the visibility a bit. It's sort of, you know, you get this kind of haze w- that, that affects the way that you see the road. And um, it's hard to see you directly in front of the car. You know, I'm used to driving small European cars like you know a Volkswagen Polo or something where you you can see the road almost immediately there but with these muscle cars all you can see is the bonnet and generally the visibility was appalling in this car I mean the windows are tiny you can hardly see uh, you can you can hardly see behind you because you've got you know massive blind spots 
there's a tiny little back window. You can hardly see through the back. And uh, there are huge blind spots that mean that you, there are these huge areas that you can't see. Even if you look in the mirrors, the wing mirrors and the the, the main mirror, you can't see large parts of the, uh, of you know, areas behind the car. Um, when you put the car into reverse, there's a video screen in the dashboard that gives you a video of what's, of you know, what you can't see. Uh, with your eyes. So you're actually looking at the video screen to see what's behind you. And that's actually pretty useful. And there's like this special video display that shows you, uh, that it gives you these lines so you know where the car will go. And if you turn the wheel, the lines bend. So it gives you an idea of what direction the car's going to go in. Um, so I was kind of a bit nervous about driving this car because I thought, I can't see properly. It's far too powerful. I hope that I'm going to be able to keep it under control. In the end, it was an absolute uh, joy to drive. I mean, it was really easy to drive, really super easy to drive, mainly because generally in America, there's just tons of space and you get loads of space in car parks and loads and loads of space on the roads. And so it doesn't really matter that you can't see everything around the car because it wasn't Paris. I mean, in Paris, you know, you're, you're, Every inch of space counts because you're sliding between tiny little gaps in in between buildings, or you're driving along very narrow lanes. You're tri- you know you're you're driving around. You're inching around junctions uh, that are surrounded by other cars, and so you need to be able to see around you so that you don't you know scrape another car or have a little crash or something. But you know in America, tons of space, so the muscle car is the perfect car really, and it had tons of power as well in the engine loads and loads of power um so all i needed to do was just touch my foot on the accelerator and the car would just leap forwards you know it was desperate to just leap forwards and and aggressively um tear off down the road so i had to be very careful with the accelerator otherwise we would be sort of flung back in our seats as the car leapt forward um from from a, a junction or something. I got used to that after a while, but um, definitely got the impression the car was just ready to just leap forwards at any time. Um, and that included, for example, uh, braking. It, the car just didn't want to stop. So I'd be cruising along the road and then the, the street light would go red and I'd put my foot on the brake. But because it's an automatic car, the engine is already running, you know, and you can't use the gears to... Uh, sort of engine brake as it were so the engine is like desperate to push the car forward so you put your foot on the brake and nothing really happens because the engine's already in another more powerful gear so you have to kind of slam your foot down on the brake to try and get the thing to stop so that took a little bit of getting used to just the aggressiveness uh and the eagerness of the engine um um let's see automatic car Again, that made it really easy. I'm used to driving uh, a manual car, uh, but the automatic, you just put it into drive, and then basically you've got one pedal for go, one pedal for stop, and then the left, you know, the steering wheel's left or right. So it's basically go, stop, left, right. That's it. It it was just so easy. I'll tell you a bit more about the experience of driving the car on the streets in a bit. Um, Obviously, Los Angeles is famous for its weather, and uh, the sky was blue, and the sun was out and it was a hot sort of 28 degrees, 29 degrees most of the time. So, you know, beautiful weather, basically. They're incredibly lucky over there. They just get good weather all the time. Uh, the location, well, we were based 
in, um, I guess it was North Hollywood, just um, just at the beginning of the Hollywood Hills. You could see the Hollywood sign in the distance. And we were uh, staying in a hotel between uh, Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard. So these are, you know, iconic locations, particularly Hollywood Boulevard, because that's the one with all of the stars on the on the road, you know, on the on the pavement. Um, that's where you uh, all the Hollywood movie stars have uh, stars um, embedded in the pavement, and as you walk along it, you can see the names of these stars from you know the movies and from the world of music um and sometimes their their hand prints on the on the pavement as well um so um amazing location um let's see lots of things lots of things to talk about um i should probably just go through uh events like things that happened and i'll talk to you a little bit about the atmosphere uh, there are certain phrases that we heard a lot from from people like "you got it" or "you're all set." You're you're all set was the phrase that we heard so much. When you finish buying something in a shop, for example, uh, they kind of put the stuff in the bag, and they might put the receipt in the bag, and they give you the bag, and then they so and and then they say, "and you're all set." So you're all set is like saying, "and there you go." You know, you're all set. Um, so. Ah, oh, uh, amazing, amazing place. Uh, this Hollywood, of course, Los Angeles is a movie town, um, which means that kind of everything is a little bit fake in a way. And it's all about the surface, all about the veneer. So as well as being sunny all the time, and it's all about the sort of glamour and so on, there's a uh, th- this veneer. When you get behind that sort of surface level, um, that superficial surface level, uh, there is a slightly mysterious and almost sinister feeling to the place as well, particularly at night. And that is perfectly captured by those classic um, American detective stories by people like Raymond Chandler and other writers. You know those classic American film noir type detective stories? Um, they're not, you know, collectively the, the film versions are known as film noir. I'm talking about... Um, uh, Books like The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about this mysterious atmosphere in Hollywood uh, in a little bit. But first, I'd like to just tell you about um, an uh, an audiobook uh, recommendation. Um, as you know, episodes of Luke's English Podcast are sponsored by Audible.com. Um, and that basically means that Audible are offering my listeners the opportunity to download some free audiobooks. And so what I do, as you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, is I tell you about some books that you could download uh, in the form of audiobooks from Audible. Okay, I have been telling you about the UK's favourite books, but I think for this series of California episodes, um, I'd like to just take a break from the UK's favourite books and look at a few recommendations for California-related audiobooks that you can download free by going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash teacherluke. And the first recommendation in the series is The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. Okay, The Big Sleep uh, by Raymond Chandler. This is perhaps the classic American detective story. Um, It's set in L.A., and it's absolutely full of dark and mysterious atmosphere, as well as understated cool humour and sizzling tension. It follows uh, private detective Philip Marlowe 
as he tries to solve a complex case while dealing with several dangerous and seductive female characters and some violent murderers in the process. It perfectly captures the atmosphere of a film noir movie set in Los Angeles, and it's really well read by Ray Porter. Um, This story really is the blueprint for so many other detective stories featuring tough and cool, yet ultimately vulnerable detective heroes. Um, Just imagine films starring Humphrey Bogart, for example. So, The Big Sleep is glamorous, brutal, and extremely well-written stuff. Um, If you want to download it, just um, you can start a free trial with Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. You can choose any book that you want from uh, hundreds and hundreds of titles. Uh, You can download your first book. If you don't like um, Audible, you can cancel your membership. You can keep your audio book. Or if you choose to, you can just keep your membership. And um, the first month is free. Your first audiobook is free. But then um, you you just don't do anything and you'll carry on as a member and you'll get the opportunity to get a free audiobook every month from then on. But you'll pay like $15. But it, you've got 30 days to try it out. If you don't like it, you can just cancel it. But the first audiobook is still free. So I recommend for uh, this episode, check out The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. It's got an average rating of 4.3 out of 5 on Audible. Um, So that's audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke, or just uh, click one of the buttons on the website that says Audible. Uh, Now, uh, I've been talking to you for about an hour now, and uh, I think it's probably time for me to just um, stop this particular uh, episode now because I don't want to go on for too long. Uh, but um, I've hardly even got started. I really want to get into the the real um, content, you know, the real sort of uh, juice of this story. I think I'll tell you a little bit more about Los Angeles before I bring this episode to a close. Um, and there will be a series of these episodes. So I'm going to, you know, go through the whole road trip. But let me just tell you a little bit more about the feeling of Los Angeles and what it's really like to be there. Now, as I said, obviously, there's all the the daytime stuff and the stuff that you know, like Disneyland and Universal Studios and the beach and so many things to go and see and do and stuff like that. But I'm talking about the the atmosphere of being there, particularly at night. And I was saying that it's a mysterious place because you get the sense that nothing is real in Los Angeles. There's a strange feeling that you're living in some kind of dream. And I don't think that that is entirely the result of breathing in the marijuana vapours which are floating around the street in so many places. Um, no, it's, it's, it's something else. It's hard to date uh, the buildings, for example. Um, the, you look around, you look at the buildings that you see, and you think they could be old, they could just be built in an old style. So there's a certain sort of weird timelessness because it's a fairly new place and yet many of the buildings are are designed to look like they are period buildings from another time. Los Angeles doesn't have the same depth of history as Europe does. Um, There is evidence of a colonial past, but also so many buildings are new but designed to look like they come from another period. Um, it's, It's all a bit like a movie set. And if you just... If you take away the facades of all these buildings, then it's essentially Los Angeles is just a desert underneath, you know? So the buildings are a bit of a facade and everything is a little bit fake, like in a movie. It's hard to know what is real. Uh, The people also seem to be a little bit distant. They're very sweet. They're kind of hippie-ish. 
if a little bit shallow in some circles. It feels a bit like everyone is high. In fact, they probably are because smoking marijuana is more and more popular in Los Angeles. Um, there is evidence, there's no evidence of smoke, in fact, when you walk around. But I'm sure that people are vaping all over the place because I could smell it. Uh, it you could smell it in the corridors of our hotel and in the street outside bars and things. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about the fact that in marijuana, in marijuana, in Los Angeles, there's a, there's a sort of a marijuana culture. And it's kind of legal there these days. Um, and But you don't find that people smoke it in the street that much, but people vaporise it quite a lot. Um, because smoking is a kind of a... Um, it, smoking is not really uh, encouraged in in Los Angeles and in fact um, certainly in public and in fact smoking cigarettes is pretty outlawed in many places there are laws that say that you're not allowed well first of all you're not allowed to smoke indoors in public places but also you're not allowed to smoke within something like five meters of a, a, a public building as well so that means that you can't just stand outside a restaurant and smoke a cigarette in the street uh, you have to be at least five meters away. So that means most pavements are off limits if you want to smoke a cigarette. So most of the streets and most of the pavements are uh, um, on most of the streets and pavements, it's illegal to smoke a cigarette. Um, and so what you tend to find is that there are no people smoking cigarettes. And there aren't many people smoking joints in the street either. But there, you do see people vaporizing and you smell people vaporizing marijuana as well. You can smell it quite strongly. In fact, that was one of the things that hit me first is this smell of like, God, what's that? And it's, you know, there's someone down the street or someone outside a restaurant and he's, he or she is vaping. So vaporizing, it's different to smoking because it's somehow, I don't know quite how it works, but they use these, well, you've seen electronic cigarettes. You know what e-cigarettes are. You, uh, it's not smoke, it's vapor. Well, it's exactly the same principle, but instead of uh, using, you know, uh, nicotine or whatever, instead it's marijuana uh, in the form of a liquid or something, uh, and it, it vaporises and they get high doing that, and you can smell it. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about California's marijuana law laws, okay? Um, and uh, because it's quite an interesting legal situation because California has an interesting position on marijuana use and this reveals an interesting conflict between state and federal law in the USA. So first question, is pot or marijuana legal in the USA? Well, not around the whole country, but you probably know that certain states have kind of decriminalized or partially legalized marijuana and California is one of those states. So is it fully legal in California to use marijuana? Well, not exactly. Basically, it's legal for medical use. Um, so yeah, it's legal for medical use. But again, that's a little bit of a grey area. And in fact, many people basically, I mean, that's kind of a legal definition, but there are so many loopholes that allow people to basically legally smoke marijuana. So it's it's legal if you have a medical card or a medical certificate from a licensed um, medical practitioner, and uh, that license basically gives you the right to, to buy, own, and use marijuana quite freely. 
Um, now, who are these medical practitioners? Well, there are loads of places in in uh, LA and in California in general that will that that are legally uh, medic- legally allowed to define themselves as medical practitioners. So these are kind of clinics that you go into, and um, so they're essentially doctors. And you can go into these doctors' clinics and you tell them about some, you know, mental or physical problem that you have. And essentially, they will just give you a prescription for some marijuana. They'll give you a license. It's like a little test. And, you know, you go in, you say, oh, yeah, I've got like a chronic back pain that won't go away. Is there any chance that I could qualify for a marijuana license? And the doctor goes, chronic back pain? Yeah, sure, there you go. There's your license. So apparently, it's quite easy to get the license. Even things like, you know, I get a lot of headaches, or I, I find it difficult to sleep at night, or, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit depressed. Um, all of these things can be reasons why you can qualify for a ma- marijuana license. So it's kind of a legal loophole, really, um, which allows people to to get uh, to get their hands on legal marijuana. And there's even stuff like you know internet services where you can buy the stuff online and have it delivered to your door. As long as you've got the license and the medical ID number, then it's all legitimate and it's all legal in California. And we saw lots of these places as we were walking around, lots of these sort of doctor's surgeries and things that uh, offered the opportunity to get uh, a license. And often they were next door or even above a marijuana dispensary. And these are basically marijuana shops. And you can go into these places and they have like, you know, loads of bags of weed everywhere. And you can just show them your license and then pick the one that you want. Uh, We didn't go into any of these places. I didn't try any of it or anything like that. Uh, but it's certainly quite interesting just to see the the way the culture is is um, sort of uh, accepting uh, the use of marijuana. Interesting choice for California, um, and I don't disagree with it. I think that it could be quite a good idea, really, if you think about it. If you sort of legalize it and you make it commercially available, essentially what you're doing is you're taking uh, marijuana out of the hands of criminals. And you're you're making it legitimate now, really. So so, what does that do? Well, first of all, it means that the, you, the marijuana uh, can be regulated. It can be checked and researched and studied without any uh, crimes being being committed. Um, and it also means that the people who are in possession of the marijuana suddenly they're not criminals anymore. They're just normal citizens. So that means that you know the police don't have to spend lots of time and money on trying to catch them, and the prison service and the 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 court system doesn't have to deal with them. And that basically saves lots of time and money. Um, also, it probably means that uh, marijuana sales, medical marijuana sales, are taxed. So again, the government is getting lots of tax revenue from from that, which is bound to help the economy. And if it's a very thriving industry, then that means that the government's going to get lots of tax revenue. In fact, you know, if you if any countries that are having financial problems decided to basically legalize marijuana, then that could potentially solve a lot of those economic problems because the revenue that would come in. Uh, would suddenly, you know, boost the economy, wouldn't it? It would take the money out of the black market and put the money into the government's pockets. It, it seems to me that the only things stopping this from happening are, well, first of all, is it okay? Is it basically okay for people to smoke pot? Um, and should it be illegal? 
you know, should it stay illegal because there are reasons why that would be better for people in general? So I'm not sure if smoking pot is basically all right. It seems in California they've decided that it's okay and in fact that it's good for you if you have certain problems, like that it can help you deal with certain medical problems. Uh, I'm not completely convinced because I think that marijuana can bring with it lots of problems too because I think it can affect your your uh, your state of mind and it, it it it's not perfectly safe. You know, neither is alcohol and certainly not tobacco. Um, But it's a kind of a bold move. And there's the assumption that it's not harmful. Um, I mean, morally, you know, people might disagree with it for some reason because they might think that there's some uh, moral problem with using marijuana. But I mean, you know, is is there really, is there, is it any worse than drinking alcohol? Um, So it's just an interesting. decision for California to have made. But there is a conflict, you see, because that's a state law. Now, America, as you know, is uh, a a sort of, uh, let's see, a a patchwork of state laws, and some laws are federal. So the states are allowed to pass laws that relate only to those states. But then there's federal law, which covers the entire country. Now, federal law in the USA says that... um, marijuana, even for medical use, is not legal. And yet California and a number of other states have decided that it is legal. So while um, marijuana dispensaries can operate legally in the eyes of of, um, the California government, from the point of view of the federal government, it's still a crime. So what's happening, or what has happened, is that some of these marijuana dispensaries are untouched by the California police, but then they get raided by groups of like um, armed and protected federal police, basically like the FBI, might come in and raid these dispensaries because, as far as they're concerned, it's still illegal. So there's a conflict between uh, the California police and the federal police, and that's quite an interesting situation. So it's still a kind of grey area that even though these, even though California says these things are legal, it seems that the United States as a whole doesn't think they're legal. And um, if you have a marijuana dispensary, be careful because it might be raided by uh, federal police in the middle of the night. uh, And you could face, you know, a massive jail sentence. So it's an interesting situation. And it's I'm curious to see what happens in the future with that. Uh, So that's that's a little bit of information about California's marijuana laws. And the fact that yeah, when you're in California, you'll you'll probably uh, see these dispensaries and you'll certainly smell people either smoking it or just vaporizing it uh, in the street. And that's interesting, isn't it? That um, you can't smoke a cigarette in the street. And in fact, tobacco is, is uh, considered to be like, you know, a really bad thing. And yet you might see and smell people smoking marijuana or vaporizing marijuana in the street and that's almost more acceptable than than uh than tobacco is that a good thing or a bad thing i wonder what your opinion is um leave your comments on teacherluke.co.uk i'm going to end this episode now but um i will be back very soon with more and i'm going to you know move it along and i'm going to tell you about some specific things that we saw and what we did while also telling you some cultural stuff and teaching you a little bit of english as well you're going to you're going to get some um british and american english and a bit of history and a bit of geography 
and even some stuff about grammar. So you can look forward to that in the next episode. All right. Are you enjoying this? I hope so. It's good to be back on the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the return of Luke's English podcast after a a few weeks of absence. Um, Okay. All right. So I'll speak to you in the next episode very soon, I expect. For now, though, for this one, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.